Hello, and welcome to the 45th episode of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief of iPhone Life magazine. I'm David Aberbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life magazine. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor of iPhoneLife.com. Each week, we talk to you about the best apps, great gear, and top news in the iOS world. This week, we're going to share with you an excerpt from our last collection, and that's part of our Insider subscription. If you sign up for iPhone Life Insider, which you can go to iphonelife.com insider to sign up for, you get in-depth guides and uh, collections of our best video tips. And last week, we had a collection on Facebook, and we want to share a roundtable discussion we had about our top Facebook tips. And our collections, what they are is every day we send a daily video tip, uh, to you and we then later will go and put together a collection of our favorite tips on a subject so we'll do you know this one was Facebook we have a mail collection coming out soon uh, and in addition to doing uh, our favorite video tips on the topic we'll do an in-depth conversation and we're calling it a roundtable. So <laughs> that's what we're going to share with you an excerpt on. Uh, we're also really excited because we are filming this. So if you're listening to the podcast through iTunes, you can go to iphonelife.com slash podcast and you can watch the podcast as well. And we'll put a we'll put the stream there. That's right. And uh, with this Facebook conversation, we'll be focusing on privacy which is something there are a lot of settings that most of us aren't aware of that you can manage uh, all, what other people can see about you and what you're posting. So stay tuned for that. But first, I want to tell you about our tip of the day newsletter. We send our tip of the day subscribers a tip every day on something cool they can do with their iPhones. If you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up for that. So our favorite tip of this week is how to collaborate on notes. So this is a new iOS 10 feature. If you open the Notes app, which is an app that I use all the time, and start a note, and it has to be in an iCloud folder. Um, it, there's a folder that says on my iPhone and one that says iCloud if you've turned on iCloud for Notes, which I'd say you should. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and, yeah, so once you start an iCloud note, you'll have a contact icon in the upper right corner. And if you tap on that, you'll have the option to share the note with someone else. And once you've done that, they can they can collaborate in real time on that note. And this is something that, of course, Google Docs pioneered this uh, able mm. to kind of uh, collaborate real time. But it's really nice for things like if you're planning a party and you're making a list of things to do or any type of thing where you have uh, something to collaborate on. You know, if you're doing a long doc, you're probably going to want to do it in Google Docs or I think, can you do it with Apple now? Apple iWorks? Oh, I don't really use the iWork I don't either. Yeah, suite that much. <laughs> so just do it in Google Docs. <laughs> but this is great for some something short, like if you're making a to-do list or some type of list or some brief note that you want to share with somebody, it's a really mm -hmm. useful place to have a collaborative note. Yeah, I would still say yeah. notes is not the most full-featured, yeah. uh, you know, word processing uh, But this software. collaboration is feature is really overdue. Yeah. It is, yeah. And Notes has done a pretty big upgrade with iOS 10 that's really been well, long needed and, and is pretty good. So. I actually started yeah. using it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing that you can't do that you can do with Google Docs is also leave comments for the other person mm. and you can't see when the other person is working on it except for that mm. you'll see like words changing in front of your eyes. <laughs> so, but usually with Google Docs it'll show you a little picture of the person that's, you know, in the upper right corner. So it's, 
it's definitely an improvement. It, if you already use notes all the time, which I do because it's convenient, mm-hmm. then, then it'll be even more convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's our, our top tip of the week. Go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to get more awesome tips like mm-hmm. that. And we also want to talk to you about our iPhone Life Insider subscription. I already mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. But um, it's our premium educational service that helps you learn how to make the most out of all of your iDevices. Uh, We feature a one-minute video version of our daily tip. We feature in-depth guides, a digital subscription to the magazine, and ask an editor, where if you have a more complex question, you can send your questions to Sarah, and she will answer them for you. So, Sarah, what's your insider question of the week? It's actually not a complex question, but it's (laughs) such a common one that I thought, I mean, I've encountered so many people who have this issue and don't know what to do, so I decided that I was going to tell everyone what to do. I feel like this is one of our more underutilized insider features too because yeah you don't have to wait till it's a real complicated question. Email us anything iPhone related and we'll answer it. What's what app to use for various topic or something that may seem simple to you but you just can't figure out. Mm -hmm. Okay so um, somebody emailed me and said they can't back their iPhone up because they've only got like two and a half gigabytes of iCloud storage left. Yeah, this is so common. It's so important to back your iPhone up. If you lose your iPhone or damage it, everything is lost if you haven't backed your iPhone up. All your photos, all your contacts. You don't want to be that person, speaking of Facebook, you don't want to be that person that posts on Facebook that says, I lost everyone's number. Please give me your number. Because it's so avoidable these days. I know. I'm so surprised how often that still I happens. I know. And I, right. I'm a little bit judgmental of it for this reason, that you yeah. can avoid it. All you need to do is follow Sarah's steps. Right. So, And also, once you follow these steps, set your iPhone to back up automatically to iCloud anytime it's you know locked and in Wi-Fi. And that way you'll never have to worry. Um, So, you know, some people, you can save space on your phone and therefore make the backup smaller by, say, uploading all the photos onto your computer and deleting them from your iPhone. But really what you need to do is go into your settings app um, and tap on iCloud and then, sorry, I'm reading this. (laughs) We're used to being able to have our phone out in front of us while we give these tips. Now that we're on camera, I think we're feeling a little awkward about it. So you have to tap storage and then you have to tap change storage plan. And for most people, you can spend 99 cents a month, which will just get automatically billed to whatever Mm -hmm. card you have on your Apple ID, and that will give you 50 extra gigabytes of data. Now, that's that's the plan I have, and right. I'm now, not even close to reaching that limit. Yeah. Right, small but of price course, to pay. I'd say. Now that you can get, say, like a 256 gigabyte iPhone, you may want to consider the next plan, which is only 2.99 a month and gives you an entire terabyte of data. And there's actually uh, plans going up to two terabytes for twenty dollars a month, but probably twenty dollars a month. That's you like really insane. don't need that. Like really, mm-hmm. you could, if you got a terabyte of data. I think you'd really be fine. And for most people, 50 gigabytes is going to be plenty. Yeah, now, okay, several points here. (laughs) First of all, there isn't as much of a correlation between the phone storage and the uh, iCloud storage. Of course, you're backing up your phone, so the more you can store on your phone, the more that needs to be backed up. But really, the things that take up a lot of storage in your local phone is the apps, but you don't need to back up those apps necessarily to iCloud. So the things that you need, you want to back up are your photos. And so it's kind of how many photos do you want to store is the really important thing. Before you go spend a lot of money, there's a couple things to check though. 
Uh, number one is in that same place that Sarah told you, if you go into settings and you go and look at your storage, it'll show you which apps are using the most. Mm-hmm. Right, if you tap manage storage. Yeah, manage storage, exactly. Oftentimes there's things that are taking up storage that you don't really need. Uh, the biggest culprits in my experience are videos. If you record a two, three minute video and then it turns out you don't like it very much. If you go delete those, <laughs> videos are really important. Uh, I hate to say this because you're listening to us on a podcast. Podcasts take up a lot of space, so yeah. clearing out podcasts right. you've already listened to are important. And you can set that up to happen automatically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing, and this happens, I see we see this question every year around this time. You get a new iPhone, you low, you back it up, and then suddenly all your storage is full, and you can't figure out why. What happens is when you create a new iPhone, you iCloud doesn't automatically delete the backups from your past iPhone. So suddenly, mm-hmm. That's a really good rather point. than having, let's say you have an iPhone and an iPad, rather than having a backup for both of those, you have a backup for one, I, for one iPad and two iPhones. So you can safely go and delete the backups Once from Once you set your up your new phone. iPhone. Yes. So step one, set up your new iPhone. Step two, look in your storage settings and del- after you set it up, make sure everything looks good. Then, because otherwise we'll get angry emails, then go and delete your old iPhone storage because that's taking up often, you know, you're doubling your storage oftentimes by have, uh, adding a new device. Right. So you definitely want to do this before you go and just, I see a lot of people who will actually just go and spend money on storage plans that they don't necessarily need. So mm-hmm. make sure you check all your settings first because that 99 cents a month or if you go up to $20, it really adds up. Uh, but definitely... I'm paying the 99 cents a month and it's worth it for me to be able to have all my photos without having to manage it all on my computer. So I do recommend that. I don't recommend trying to every week clear out old stuff to to save storage. It's not worth it. If you do want to delete your photos to save space or your videos especially, make sure you go into the recently deleted folder after and permanently delete them or they'll continue taking up space for another month. Yeah, those two-minute videos that are probably not very cool Mm -hmm. will still be taking up your storage. Right. Yeah, I actually had a friend a few weeks ago that asked me to help her update to iOS 10 and it ended up that she had a backup from like 2014 or yeah. something on there. That So she only had a little bit of storage space left, so I just deleted that for her and then she was able to upgrade to iOS 10 without any problem. So I guess the, the lesson is you can upgrade your iCloud storage plan, but first make sure you don't have any mm-hmm. deleted videos in your recently deleted folder or any old backups in iCloud. But most yeah. importantly, back <laughs> up your device. It is it inexcusable to, ha- right. to not have your stuff backed up. You're going to lose all your photos. You're going to lose your contacts. So make sure that you're backing it up. <laughs> Either clear out enough storage to do it or pay for it because it's really, you're not going to be happy. I and promise. set it to do it automatically. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, that's our advice. Well, we'll have more advice to come. But (laughs) moving on to our news of the week, last week was Apple's uh, Mac announcement on the Mm -hmm. 27th. And so we wanted to break that down for you guys and talk about what what came out of there. So uh, first, let's talk about the MacBook Pro. We stick usually to iOS, but we'll cover that briefly for you guys and then talk about the Apple TV updates. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, Apple, the big announcement was the MacBook Pro. And this is about... Probably been about three years now since Apple's released a new model of the MacBook Pro. They feels released, like forever. It feels like forever. They've released incremental updates of kind of a few specs here and there, but they haven't really done a major overhaul. So the main thing that Apple did with this is they I can't remember what it's called now. It 
the bar. Oh, so it's the force touch pad. It's, it's like a multi-touch. A touch yeah. bar. Touch right. bar. Yeah. yeah. So there is the the actual mouse is now the like t- touch screen is larger and that's the force touch pad. Uh, but they have a, a multi-touch bar. I don't know. It's 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 like the same as your screen as on your iPhone. Yeah. And it will show whatever will appear on there will be basically, you know, related to whatever app you're currently using on your computer. Yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. their pitch was we have everybody on their keyboards have all these F7s and things like that. That was really from a time gone by from IBM computers when you're running complicated things. When was last time you pushed an F7 button? So they got rid of that and instead they have a digital bar that will display buttons based contextually on where you are. So if you're on a Mac, sorry, you're on a Mac, if you're in your email, it'll have like a button that says reply all or a button that says forward and that'll be displayed on your keyboard. If you are on, let's say you're on Photoshop, You'll have your favorite shortcuts in Photoshop there available to you. That seems really cool. So it was pretty cool. Uh, And the thing to me that was most exciting about that feature, or most impressive about that feature, is the fact that only Apple can pull it off well. Because it's a great example of what happens when you combine software with hardware. Uh, Hmm. And when you combine them, you can do these things that are... If you're separating the the hardware and the software, you can't do very well. So it's a great feature. I mean, I shouldn't say only Apple can pull it off because mm-hmm. now Mac uh, Windows are making their own computers. But it's a good example of an engineering feat that is unique to Apple in some ways. So what did you think of their decision to just have that multi-touch bar as opposed to a touch screen? Like- I think it's a good compromise because, yeah, hasn't Apple been getting a good amount of pressure? Like, why don't you have a touch screen on your Mac? But that sort of disrupts your your workflow if you're you know just sticking to the to the keypad is nice. So this way they're they're incorporating some of those elements, but still you don't have to like look up and touch your screen. Because that's one of my least favorite things about trying to use my iPad as a laptop is that there are certain things that you have to use the touchscreen for, mm-hmm. and that sort of it slows you down. Yeah, and it's funny because this has been a controversial topic since Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs went on record saying he didn't like having touchscreens on laptops because it's not a natural user interface. Like Donna's mm-hmm. saying, if you're using an iPad as an iPad primarily, then you're sitting there and you're browsing and you're using the user interface. But if you're using a computer with a mouse and doing that, it's weird to transition from mouse and keyboard up to a touchscreen. I'm going to completely disagree <laughs> okay, with you. Okay, okay. Uh, my daughter has a laptop with a touchscreen. Okay. Um, I can't, sorry, I can't remember... What kind of computer it is? It's a, it's not a it's Mac. It's not a Mac. Um, <laughs> and I really like it. Okay. What, I mean, and so what, what about the touch screen do you like? Well, I don't use it like exclusively. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually don't use her computer that frequently, but um, as I've complained to my coworkers before, she, she likes to online shop. So I sometimes buy things <laughs> for her on her computer. Sometimes it's just handier to just touch something on the screen rather than like move a mouse up or, hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of nice to have both options. Like you don't have, I mean, like with an iPad, you, it's not the same. You don't have like the trackpad, Mm -hmm. but for a laptop where you do, or you can plug in a mouse or have like a, you know, a wireless mouse who plugs mouses in anyway. (laughs) Um, But it's really handy to be able to switch back and forth depending on what you're doing and have that option. So Hmm. what type of things are you using the touchscreen for that you're going to miss on the Mac? I mean, just being able to, like, just reach over and tap a, 
any kind of link or whatever. Instead it's such of, a natural thing now that we're all using touchscreens. Right. Day. It's so handy to be able to just type and then go like mm-hmm. that. And so I, I mean, I'm looking forward to trying this new multi-touch bar on the MacBook Pro, but I don't agree that <laughs> the touchscreen is not there a good thing. Go. I think it's great. Okay. I'm well, just giggling to myself because I'm imagining our graphic designer, Jamie, uh, how he would react to a touchscreen because in general when I sit down to look at things with him if I even like get my finger near his screen he'll be like Donna no yeah. pointer use a pointer I've had that experience with him too. <laughs> me too me too so we definitely wouldn't get one for him if they did become touchscreens but that's interesting it's funny because I don't I don't miss I have no desire to use a touchscreen on a computer but here are the things I didn't love about the new Mac uh, first of all they got rid of the MagSafe power plug right it's USB-C now right yeah so exactly so Macs have Mac laptops I should say have this cool little magnetic charging thing that means if you accidentally kick the cables you're walking by the cable comes out as opposed to tripping you and bringing the computer down with you Uh, it was one of those little features that was really loved by Mac enthusiasts they got rid of it I mean, you can't make USB-C magnetic, like, because that would be handy. Yeah. yeah well, I have does, seen actually a yeah. third-party accessory that's like that, that basically is doing that exact thing. So you can do it, but it's not built into Mac anymore. The other thing, and the biggest knock, in my opinion, is it maxes out at 16 gigabytes of RAM. And to mm. me, if you're, you have a MacBook Air, and then you have a MacBook Pro, and 16 gigabytes is enough-ish... Like, it's not like that's not a lot of RAM, but for a pro user, somebody who's going to be doing a lot of uh, graphic design or video, having 32 or even 64 gigabytes is really nice. So I was kind of disappointed that they didn't... The last version was also at 16, so I was kind of disappointed that they didn't offer a 32 gigabyte RAM option. Yeah, uh, some virtual reality companies came out and said they were disappointed that they couldn't really do their work on these MacBook Pros. Because the, the CPU isn't updated. It's the same as the one from years yeah. ago, too. So that's also, it, maybe it's a separate issue, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to have the power that some people need. It definitely, if, if compared to Windows of similar prices, it's very underpowered. And for the most part, I don't care about specs. Like, you know, when you look at Android versus iPhone, Android users love to tout their specs. And right. it doesn't bother me because Apple, because they have hardware and software, combined they do a lot of things that make better use of the ram and make better use of the cpu and so it it actually often is more efficient and works better even if the specs aren't there this is a case where the specs actually did bother me because RAM is a hugely limiting factor. If you don't have right. enough RAM, it drives you We've all crazy. experienced that. Yeah. Right. And so do you pay a premium me. for a MacBook Pro? You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I think it, it, I'm happy with the touch bar. Overall, nice upgrade. But really, they left a little bit as far as the CPU and the RAM goes. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't care about the touch screen. If you do, maybe that's an issue. One of the things that annoys me a little bit about it is though no matter what they do i'm gonna use a mac because of <laughs> because of their operating system i, I just yeah. i hate windows operating system and you're now. like in the ecosystem yeah so it's like and it, it almost feels like they didn't they know that and they don't have to do enough because they don't have right. to do as much as they would otherwise because people don't like switching between windows and mac very often so the new macbook pros also have touch id in the power button um is do you know what the what that can do sarah um, I know that you can use it for Apple Pay now that mm-hmm. that's on the web. Um, 
That seems really convenient. I mean, it's right. pretty cool. for Apple Pay, but all your passwords, you can now use it for and integrate it. And I'm assuming third parties will have access to it. Also, when you log in, one of the cool things is rather than having different account buttons that you push, I'm sure they still have that, but if you hold your thumb there, it'll log you in as you. So you can have several people and they can log in. That's really nice. I feel like they need even extra security features with a Mac. Yeah, although I, I hope that they bring that feature. We've been complaining about this for years. I hope they bring that feature to iPads and iPhones because oftentimes you want multiple users on an iPhone and iPad and there is no way to do it right now. I would really appreciate Ugh, that. I yeah. know. Yeah. It's yeah. such a pain point. Uh, moving on to Apple TV. So there's a new Apple TV app that'll mm -hmm. be released in December. Uh, David, tell us about it. I'm really excited about this. Basically what they're doing is, I think the app is actually called TV. Mm -hmm. The marketing geniuses at Apple. Very Apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but basically what it does is, it, right now there's a little bit of a disjointed interface where every single uh, channel has their own app. And so you, know, you, ha you end up with a CBS app, an NBC app, and then of course you have HBO and you have Amazon and you have, although yeah. Amazon doesn't have an Amazon doesn't have it. You don't have Amazon. That's another complaint for <laughs> yeah. another day. Uh, but uh, Netflix, you end up with all of these apps and you're constantly juggling between TV shows and all of these different apps. So what TV does is it pulls in all of that into one app. So it'll have any, any uh, channel or anything that has an Apple TV app that streams uh, TV can get pulled into it. So you can go into one place and it'll show you all the shows you're watching across all of your apps uh, and where you are in it. Uh, and it'll give you recommendations across all of them as well. So let's say it'll know that you like House of Cards and Netflix and Game of Thrones and HBO, and it'll pull that together, and it'll show you both of those, and then give you a recommendation on Showtime if you have Showtime. And what's cool is there's now a TV app for your iPhone and iPad. So if you're watching mm -hmm. on your um, Apple TV, and then you have to go somewhere, you can pull that up in your iPhone and iPad and finish that episode there. So pretty yeah. cool. To me, the multi-device like element of it is what's the coolest part. Like I really like the idea of being able to watch, start a show on my TV and then finish it on my iPad if I'm, you know, if that's more convenient. But I think the fact that it's missing Netflix and Amazon. I mean, Amazon was already missing. Well, is it missing that's Netflix? Huge. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, that's uh, really not okay. It'll I probably know. they'll probably get Netflix. They in better eventually. get Netflix. That is silly. I will say this. When I watched it, it made me really angry at the uh, cable providers because <laughs> yeah. it was such a better user interface, like not even the same ballpark as, say, watching cable or watching satellite. Mm. The way you navigate it, the different features the apps let you do was so much better. And so I wish that the cable company really went one step farther in terms of letting you watch live TV there. I know we have sat... What is it? Uh, Dish has something. What's it called? Sling. Sling. Yeah, but it's we're not quite there yet, and it seems like it seems so stupid to me that I have my satellite box anymore. It's like I don't need it. The Apple TV is a much better interface for it. it we we should just be able to use that. And the mm -hmm. only thing holding us back is the cable companies are wanting to make more money. Yeah. So Almost overall, like businesses. <laughs> well, they're in my opinion short-sighted businesses, but right. we don't need to go down that road. Overall, would you say this was a good Apple announcement? Would you say it was disappointing? Thoughts? I think that this 
is a really exciting new feature. I think the touch bar was really the thing. And of course it's thinner, lighter, better, better battery, all that stuff. I would say mixed feelings. I would say they did enough to make me happy and I liked some of the new features. But as far as some of the core specs, which is whenever we're talking about upgrades, I'm always the one sitting here being like, you know, the iPhone 7, yes, maybe they could have done more, but the specs are gonna make it much better for you. This was kind of the reverse where they had some sizzle mm -hmm. features, but they didn't do that much as far as the core like processing power of a computer that would really have been nice. I think they also made the mistake of waiting so long to release the next next MacBook Pro that there's higher expectations. Yeah. Oh, they must be really working on yeah. something cool. And then, you know, the touch bar is cool. But besides that, what is there really? And so mm -hmm. to me, it seems like a little bit of a disappointment, mm -hmm. the announcement. I was impressed by the Apple TV feature. I think that it's coming out in December, by the way. So don't go looking for it today. Yeah, which December is weirdly soon, but... Yeah, I know. <laughs> November 1st. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. It was, especially, I just really feel like the computers need to be, you know, have a lot more power and they don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the last news segment for today is iOS 10.1 came out last week and uh, apparently a lot of people's health data went missing. Ooh. They suddenly couldn't find that. So there was a release that just came out 10.1.1 <laughs> that you can get your health data back. So... That's so good you're for you. Okay. <laughs> and also last week, uh, uh, people who are not only in the beta of iOS 10 got the portrait mode oh, cool. for the iPhone 7 Plus. And uh, I, a few episodes ago, I talked about my experiences with the new portrait mode that like blurs the background of the photo and focuses in the front for a nice, you know, artistic mm -hmm. effect. I spoke about that a little bit, but David's had a chance to try it now. Yeah. Well, I just got my iPhone 7. I have the Plus. So I've been adjusting to the size. In general, I've been really happy with it. Uh, the camera by far is the most exciting feature. I mean, it's really impressive camera. I've been blown away. I it don't know is, about you. yeah. Uh, not only with the, this feature we were talking about with the uh, being in portrait mode, but the image stabilizer I found to be a big difference. It's like before on my camera, if I did even a slight little movement while taking a picture, it would be blurry, and now yeah. it's pretty stable. The two lenses means I can zoom better, so I've been really happy with the camera. I've only messed around a little bit with the portrait mode. I had I took one photo that like really turned out well. Uh, the other ones, it's like we should post that one. <laughs> iPhoneLife.com/podcast. Okay. I love how we're turning our podcast <laughs> just into photos of our dogs. Yeah, now. <laughs> pretty much. But it is um, it's a great shot. <laughs> yeah, it turned out well. I took a bunch of other ones, and it's like you really need kind of perfect conditions for it is my only problem with it like the mm -hmm. lighting has to be good and oftentimes i'm in not perfect lighting and then the portrait mode doesn't work very well so i had a few fails but i got i got a good photo too and it's it's a very impressive technology one thing i like about it is it will tell you if you're not meeting the right mm -hmm. conditions like mm -hmm. i tried to take a portrait mode photo in low light and it says you don't have enough yeah. light can't do it so that's nice. At least it gives you some guidance or it also will tell you how uh, if your subject is within range because you have to be within eight feet of your subject mm -hmm. in order to use the feature. Yep. Uh, and that wraps up our new segment for today. Next, we'll talk about Apple complaints and learning. All right. So what are your big complaints for the week, guys? I had a pretty cool thing. This isn't a complaint. I know we love to complain, but I, <laughs> I learned know. something. It's kind of a little bit of a complaint, too. So... I guess I'll talk about this because we're, I, I know that I brought it up in the round table, so you're already going to know this. So I use Tinder from time to time. Uh, I know. Oh my God. <gasps> Not that I love discussing the podcast, but it's relevant <laughs> to my conversation here. Um, so 
Apple has this new feature that I think it came out, it was either iOS 8 or iOS 9, but it has, uh, when you go to search, it'll pull up your recommended apps. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you go to the widget area, it'll show your recommended apps as well. And I started to just feel a little bit weird that sometimes Tinder would show up there if I'm, let's say, I'm... I'm showing my mom how to do something, and I pulled up, and Tinder's there. Or Your mom doesn't know you right. date. <laughs> she knows I date, but I don't want to discuss my Tinder usage with my mom. Yeah, Although that's she's probably listen to this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, or other circumstances. You just don't always want... It's a weird thing where, yes, it's useful to have a pull up your most you know, recently used apps or whatever, but you mm-hmm. don't always want everybody to see it when you're not ready to be showing it. It's a weird, intimate thing. So it was really complicated to turn off. Uh, and the reason being, it's in two places. You think of your search and your widget area as being one place. So your widget area is not a technical term, but when you swipe to the right <laughs> from your home screen, it shows you all your widgets with your um, with the weather or whatever you have there. And on top, it has your recommended apps. When you swipe down, it shows a search, and it shows often a lot of your similar things in there, but they're two separate places. So I had to go figure out, to turn that off in your widget area is... Uh, can you guys tell me what that term is? It's just your widget screen. Okay, yeah. so that was close. I mean, sometimes I call it the widget pain. I feel like widget area is fine. Pain is a good word, but I think that's a that's a different type of pain than what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, so to turn off your widget pain, uh, you have to scroll down to the bottom and hit edit. Uh, I love how I'm just miming this for you guys. Uh, I'm not used to being on camera. Uh, you scroll down to the bottom, you hit edit, and then you can turn it off there. But to turn it off in search, you go into settings in Siri, and, in, and you wouldn't think it would be Siri, but it's actually like a Siri recommended app. It says show apps in search or something Spotlight? like that. Spotlight? Spotlight search, thanks. Mm. So point being, I kept going to settings and trying to turn it off there <laughs> and not figuring out why it wasn't turning off in my widgets area. You should have talked to me. Like, well, Tinder is haunting me. <laughs> I was like, go away, Tinder, go away. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, both a complaint that Apple... Uh, doesn't give you what I wanted it to do was be able to do a app by app control. So I wanted to say just don't show uh, Tinder in here, but show right. up so I can like pull up Facebook or Instagram or something. It doesn't give you that, but I did figure out how to get rid of that if, like me, you want a little privacy about what apps you're using. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I feel like probably a lot of people can relate to that one. Uh, mine, I'm just continuing to complain about the digitized home button it doesn't work part of the time for me. Like sometimes I'll just press my home button and nothing will happen. And the only way I've been able to solve this problem is to plug my phone in for a while and then it'll eventually start working again. But I don't know if it's like I just have a faulty phone, but I've looked it up and you know, some other people have been having that issue too. So at least I can plug it in and my, so far it's only been like a few minutes at a time, but. That's really bad. It's funny because I've actually been pleasantly surprised by the digital home button, I don't know what to call it. Because uh, it, it, it really feels like you're pushing a button. They did a great yeah. job with it. But it does make me nervous for that reason. It's like I liked the fact there was a physical button that couldn't break as if the software broke. You know, there was like a different, it was a fail-safe that's now gone. Yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm going to continue to complain about that. That's mine for the week. Okay. <laughs> well, my complaint is... Um... I don't do this very often, but for some reason I needed to. The other day I wanted to do an image search on Google, but I wanted to search a specific image that was already on my phone. Mm. And you can't do that. You can't. Like I tried to copy it and then paste it into image search. It wouldn't let me. Can you do that from a computer? Yeah, you can. See, I didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, <laughs> what you would really do is you know, you'd click on images in Google search on your computer, and then you could 
search your computer for a particular image and search that. And I've used that, for instance, when bloggers have tried to sign up and they're actually like fake people, <laughs> stock photos. It's a really handy feature. That is. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. Or if you're using Tinder and you want to see if the person Ooh. is a real person, <laughs> you could search their profile photo. Um, but you can't do that on your phone. I tried it in the Chrome app and I tried it in Safari. That's so annoying. It wouldn't let Did me. Did you cr- try it? You should try it in the Google app. There's a Google app where you can search stuff, and I wonder if you can do it there. I'll try it and let you know. We'll report back next yeah, week. Yeah, we or will. Or we report in our blog post, iphonelife.com slash podcast. So <laughs> apps and gear this week. Uh, do you guys have any cool things you've tried since last episode? I have one I'm really excited to share. All right, let's see. Uh, so again, I think this was in iOS 8 or iOS 9. Apple allowed third parties to have keyboards. And I was really excited about the idea of it. Uh, and then all the keyboards I got, I, they just were kind of clunky and didn't work very well. So true. It was one of those things. It was such a big deal at the time. Everyone was, yeah. wanted to use swipe keyboards and stuff, but I also right. haven't used them. Well, and that was exactly just, it. Just to be clear, we're talking about software keyboards yes yes not like third-party bluetooth keyboards yes right good Uh, clarification (laughs) but partly i've been complaining about a little bit i don't love apple's new texting features and like you turn it sideways and has like a thank you written in text and i'm like what is that you can turn that off i'm sure i can but point being i was re-inspired to try some of these uh i've always wanted to use swipe uh but it just never worked very well so i found out one of my friends was like, how are you not using Swipe? And I was like, what are you talking about? So apparently Google has a keyboard that, that uh, for iPhone that uses, I'm assuming, the same engine that they use for Android. So I downloaded it, and I'm really liking it. Really? What's yeah. It, so what's it called? I don't know. Just you know, go in your app search <laughs> and Google Google Keyboard. Or go up. to iphonelife.com slash podcast, and I'll put we'll a link into it. that. It, I think it's literally called Google Keyboard. It's something really obvious. Okay. Um, so... I, I like a few things about it. Number one, swipe now works really well. So I'm, I'm swiping, and that's been, I think it's faster. I haven't done a comparison, but, for, but I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, number two, there's a button right next to the space bar that like you can 3D touch, and it'll show you your most frequently used punctuation. So it's you don't mm. think about how annoying it is, but every time you want to punctuate on an iPhone, you have to go into your like secondary keyboard. Now yeah. you can double tap, new extra tip for you, you can double tap the space bar for a period, but if you wanted to do an exclamation point or you wanted to do a question mark or any other punctuation. Well, here's the punctuation that needs to be much more, like you have to go into a secondary like punctuation menu, the asterisk. Yes. Because people use that to be like, oh, I mistyped that. Yes. So and all of those things so on the true. Google keyboard are accessible on the main keyboard. And you don't need to go into second or third screens. Hmm. Uh, and you can, it does cool things where it'll do contextual GIF recommendations. So it has GIFs like the Apple keyboard does. But if you like text somebody like, thanks, it'll then be like, it'll like on the bar with the predictive text, it'll be like, do you want to send a GIF for thanks? And you can tap it and do a GIF. So it's like Google's pretty good at that like machine learning stuff. Mm -hmm. And I find they're a little bit better than Apple at it. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if I actually complained about this, but my complaint is that predictive text doesn't predict your punctuation on yeah. the Apple keyboard, and it's so annoying. So this does, somewhat <laughs> does, not great. Uh, but in general, I've been pretty happy with it, so check it out. It's like your protest against iOS 10 messages is to get yeah. this instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm really nice. not a fan of iOS 10 messages. 
yeah. What about you? Any apps and gear this week? Um, I, well, this morning and last night when I was locked out of my house, I was really regretting giving away the smart lock that I had mm. instead of saving it and installing it right. in my door. Because I, I had my phone, I could have gotten into my house. Was it the pain of having to install it that made you give it away? Yes. That's the thing. I feel like a lot of smart home gear, there's somewhat somewhat of a barrier. You have to like know how to install it. and There I mean, are a few things that aren't but like that. But. Any new mm-hmm. lock, unless you're a handy person, which I have never claimed to be, <laughs> is going to require someone to install it for you. So yeah. I should have just sucked it up and gotten someone to do it. Yeah. Well, it's not too late. You could... No, I gave it away. Yeah. But you, the, but you could get there. There are other one. smart locks out yeah. there. Yeah. There's other smart locks in the sea. Send yeah. Them to me I have companies. heard good I things. I will do a roundup of them and I'll put them on every there door in my go. house. Just different <laughs> kinds of locks. So smart lock to be, just to clarify, how does the smart lock work? It like does it sense um, your proximity with your phone and unlock? Yeah, generally. I mean they all have slightly different features, but yeah, it can and it can sense usually like I mean I think always which side of the door you're on because you don't want it to unlock if you walk by your door inside your house. Mm. Um, and you can share temporary keys with people or set them like a schedule, like you can come into my house at this time. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if your friends mm-hmm. meet at your house and you're not like running late, you can let them in. Keys are a pretty, pretty outdated awesome. technology at this point. Right. We all need to move beyond them. Definitely. It does seem though like if you lost your phone, that'd be a huge pain if then you lose your phone and are locked out of your well, house. Well, they always, they, no, they come with keys. Oh, okay. You can, the old-fashioned way, sort of like the home button used to be the old-fashioned way to control your phone, but now, you know, you don't have that. Um, So my app this week is Text Plus. I'm working on the iPad guide right now, so I tried out this app. um, And this is for people who may not, they don't want to have a cellular plan. And I know a few people who have iPads and they just use that as their primary device. Um, it's like a little hard for me to imagine doing Wait, that. What they do? Uh, Jim Carpin, one of our really? writers, he does that. Um, it's just like and the other ones I know are like preteens, to be fair. Okay. <laughs> so Jim Carpin and the preteens. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Jim Carpin but, is one of our longtime writers, by the way. Yeah, and so um, this this app it lets you you get a phone number for free, and you can set it to have your state's area code, um, and. You can text people for free, not only within to other users of the app, but to their actual phone numbers. So I was bothering David last week doing this. <laughs> and so that's a little bit different than something like WhatsApp um, or other. there are other messaging apps where you can just message other users for free. Uh, you can call, but you have to pay for that. But there's a feature that seems a little bit spammy, but um, you can watch videos and you get free credit to then oh, call people. It annoys me a little bit, but if you do want to work the system, then you can basically have a phone for free. And if you have a cellular iPad, you can, for $10 a month, they send you a SIM card and then you can use it fully as a phone, which I'm not that aware of what the different rates are. So I don't know if that's like really that good of a deal that's, if you have a cellular that's iPad. About, that's I, I about just, average, $10 a month. I just want to add that um, I've done this with Skype, gotten a local phone mm-hmm. number. You can do it with Skype too. Right, mm-hmm. and um, the only problem with that is, you know, it does cost a little bit, not very much. But if you don't have it set up to auto renew, you could find yourself sending racy messages to a phone number that is no longer in the name of the person you think you're sending. Mm-hmm. Oh no! This, has this maybe happened to you? <laughs> well, um, my ex-husband used to work out of the country, and so he mm-hmm. had a local number, <laughs> and I forgot to set up auto pay. I feel so much better about talking about Tinder now. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so funny. But with Skype. Um, 
I was kind of curious what the differences were, but Skype, you can't message people that don't have Skype from a free number, can you? Uh, yes, you can. You can? You, you have to pay like 10 cents a text or something, but you can. Oh, okay. So with Text Plus, that the texting features are completely free. Oh, okay. So that's... You, that's pretty cool. You definitely shouldn't pay to message anyone because there's so many apps that let you do it for free. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I don't know if Facebook still lets you, but you used to be able to do it from Facebook Messenger for free, I think. So I'm there's a world out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you are a sole, if your sole device is an iPad, you might want to try out Text Plus. Uh, so that's, that's it for our apps and uh, our complaints and learning segment. And uh, now we will move on to our main theme, which is Facebook and privacy. And this is an excerpt from our iPhone Life Insider tip collection. So if you like what you see with this, definitely check out iPhone Life Insider at iphonelife.com slash insider. I, yeah. uh, and if you're watching this, we'll be wearing different shirts because we recorded it on a different day. <laughs> yeah. We're, yet we're always strangely color coordinated. <laughs> we are. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks, everyone. For this roundtable, we're going to talk about Facebook and privacy and just discuss, I mean, when you go on Facebook, you are giving up a certain level of privacy. You're making yourself very public mm -hmm. to the world. So I guess what we should start talking about is, do you care about privacy on Facebook? What do you guys think? Yes, within <laughs> reason. I'm probably on the more lax side. Like I do have my settings so that people can see some things about me, but not everything. So in general, there's this trade-off, right, between privacy and convenience. And that's probably more so with email and things like that than Facebook. But I tend to err on the side of private or convenience and less about privacy. But mm. I also certainly am not one of those people you can see everything on Facebook if you go to my Facebook page. So I'm in for the middle. Me, for me, I'm becoming more and more private over the years. I feel like when I first got Facebook, which was that, what, like a decade ago or something? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, I guess maybe a little less than that, but I was way more lax about it. There, you know, there'd be pictures of me on the weekend, different things I was, you know, doing. And now I feel like I just am much more selective about what I feel like letting everybody see. Um, and so that's something that actually a couple years ago, I went in and deleted a lot of old stuff off of Facebook uh, for that reason, because, you know, I just wanted to have more of a professional front. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still something that I use with my friends, and it's it's very casual, so it's not like I only have professional photos on there, but I'm just more wary of that. Yeah, I guess in terms of my privacy settings, I mean, in terms of who I'll friend, I mean, if I'm an acquaintance with you and you send me a friend request, I will accept it. But basically, my philosophy is anything that I post on Facebook, I'm going to assume is going to be seen by everyone like mm -hmm. right. I wouldn't post anything on Facebook that I wouldn't like declare publicly on the town square you know I just <laughs> so in that sense I'm basically that's protecting my privacy you know yeah I'm just, I'm just assuming it's just a very public way to maintain connections with people I might mm -hmm. want to you know message or share something with because we have you know a social acquaintance Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of you probably already are on Facebook, but if you're just getting on there, one thing to be aware of is that, you know, when you're messaging somebody or you're putting some you're messaging them on Facebook, not through Messenger, everybody can see that. And I feel like a lot of times people who are new to Facebook don't quite realize that everybody is seeing those comments. Mm. <laughs> right. I I'm I have a couple things. Like I don't you can't search me on Google to find me on Facebook. I don't even know if you can do that for me. You can. 
I no, I, I just don't know what my settings are. Yeah, oh. I think if by default, if you haven't gone in there, then people can yeah. search you. Open up an in, incognito window in your browser and search yourself on Google for there Facebook, you and and you'll see. Um, and another thing I do is I generally don't post comments to people's timelines that are specifically for them. I might share a meme that I think they would particularly enjoy, but mostly mm -hmm. if I have something I want to say just to that person, I say it in Messenger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Even like happy birthdays, like I don't have my birthday on Facebook and I I tend to wish people happy birthday in person or in Messenger mm -hmm. or by texting them. I just, I don't know, because it's not about like, hey everyone, I wish that person a happy birthday. So, mm -hmm. so... Interesting. Yeah, this is sort of getting into the like do's and don'ts on Facebook. And, you know, for the record, this is just our opinions. We'll share with you what we think are do's <laughs> and don'ts on Facebook. So Sarah shared some of hers. David, do you do birthdays on Facebook? or? Yeah, well, first, say? just to talk about the kind of the bigger picture, because I, I think to clarify my, my initial stance, I'm a little bit lax on my privacy settings on Facebook, partly because I take the same opinion as you, where I pretty much don't put anything on Facebook, even the things that I have only friends can see and things like that, unless I'm okay with them being made public. Like I'm not one of those people that are gonna like have a public fight with my partner on Facebook or like- <laughs> Don't do that. Don't, don't be those people. You know, or occasionally, very rarely, I'll post something marginally political, but I don't get into big heated debates. I don't, you know, so for the most part, I'm okay with anybody being able to see anything I put on Facebook, even though I have some degree of privacy. Uh, in terms of do's and don'ts, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I do go public and wish people face on Facebook happy birthday. I like Facebook birthdays. I it's think It's one of my favorite things yeah, about Facebook. <laughs> it's like suddenly the whole your whole friend group comes out and wishes you happy birthday, whereas before it was only people who were really close to you. So there's something nice about that. I like participating in that. Yeah. Um, and you can share your birthday and not your age if that's something like you know, some people don't want to publicly have that or so. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I, I recommend you guys do that because it's fun having everybody wish you happy birthday. <laughs> so I'm somewhere in the in between where I don't mind putting stuff out there publicly in terms of my interactions with people within reason, as long as it's something that I'm okay people viewing publicly. So if I'm having a private conversation with somebody about a sensitive topic, I certainly will do that over Messenger or over, you know, in person, hopefully. Uh, but I don't mind kind of posting on somebody's wall or doing something like that, as long as I'm knowing that everybody can see that and it's a topic I'm comfortable everybody seeing. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I think just in terms of do's and don'ts on Facebook, keep an eye on what you know what you're posting in terms of if you're comfortable with people seeing it. Because I've had times where I've posted articles or made a comment, and I'm not really realizing how many people are seeing it. Because like over the years, I've I've gotten more and more Facebook friends, and mm -hmm. someone will come up and ask me about it later when I'm just out at a restaurant or something, and I'll be like, Yeah, you read that? Yeah. So that's something you know you have to think about. I think the other thing is um, thinking a little bit about like why you're posting something. Are you between couples, for instance, if you're saying something that you could privately say to them that you you post publicly, that can be a little bit odd to me. Um, or you know, even between friends too. Something in a way, if you're trying to like show off for everybody else, that's something that I don't really enjoy. Instead of just trying to share with people on Facebook, like I really like seeing pictures that I can of my friends on a trip or of their baby or something like that, that I am getting a little window into their life 
in a way that feels like I'm being included instead of excluded. Now, one exception to that is I like seeing like when people get engaged or married Mm -hmm. or they're like 10 years with this wonderful person. But if it's like every week, you're like, I love you, baby. You're the best. It's a little... (laughs) It's like text them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's exactly what you're saying. It's like if you're sharing a moment of your life with your friends and family... That's wonderful. But if you just want everybody in the world to see, like sometimes it's like, why are they posting that? Where is it yeah. coming from? And it's a weird, like, I, why did they choose to put this on Facebook instead of on? I feel like it's an, a, so, like yeah. sign they're going to break up soon. <laughs> and this is all very subjective. Yeah. Do whatever you want on yeah, Facebook. We're but... just, yeah, these are our own opinions. Yeah. So the next thing we want to talk about is just who to be friends with on Facebook. Who should you request and who should you accept? That's a topic I know a lot of people have issues with. Yeah, it's a weird one. And I feel like Facebook has shifted culturally. The Facebook culture has shifted. And this is all of these things we're talking about has shifted because of it. Where when Facebook first started, it was for people in college to interact with their friends who were in the same college. And it was sort of a hookup app. I feel like a lot of people use it to meet girls or guys. You know? It was college. Yeah. Everybody's hooking up in college. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know... Because of that, it was a little bit looser in terms of all of these things. What you shared, like, mm-hmm. people weren't worrying about their privacy because it was only their close friends. And now it's kind of, it's a way of connecting with anybody. Like family, coworkers. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Like, should you accept your boss on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do have all my coworkers on yeah. Facebook. Well, but be careful because it, it is funny because <laughs> sometimes there will be something weird where, like, Somebody will post something on Facebook where I'm Playing like... Playing hooky for the day. Yeah. Or like, I'm like, do they really know that like I'm on Facebook? I can see this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, where where do you guys draw the line in terms of who you allow to be friends with on Facebook and who you don't? Um, if I don't know you, like I've had people who are like friends of a friend trying mm-hmm. to friend me on Facebook and I think that's a little weird. But if we're acquainted, I mean, I'm friends with my teenage daughter's friends you know I don't go and friend those kids I think that's inappropriate but if they send me a friend request I say yes but I also don't generally like or comment on most of their things because they're in their own teenage world mm-hmm. um, and I accept you know professional acquaintances and the parents of my kids friends and so basically if I know you I'll friend you and then I keep that in mind when I'm posting things to me, that just says that Sarah's a very cool mom, that her daughter's <laughs> friends are running her on Facebook. Um, yeah, for me, I am pretty loose with who I'll be friends with on Facebook. I Like, if I know you, if I've had conversations, I'll likely accept a request, but I, yeah, I might not seek out sending a request. I'm friends with my coworkers. I'm friends with my family. So that that's partially why I'm just a little more careful about what I post on Facebook and just make sure it's something I'm comfortable with everybody seeing. I feel like I was slow to transition between the Facebook that when I first signed up for Facebook, it was just for my close friends. And I kind of, then all of a sudden my friend's parents started signing up and like kind of really loose acquaintances. And for a while I kind of fought it and I rejected people on Facebook and stuff. Now, my rule of thumb is I feel like I have to have at least had a conversation with you in person. Like, I feel weird when people add me as a way of getting to know me. I'm like, I don't know you yet. And yeah. there's a, it's like, even though I only post things on Facebook that I'm okay with everybody seeing, it doesn't mean that I want just random strangers browsing it. Like, I do have privacy settings in place to prevent that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I prefer to accept people who I kind of have a conversations with and that I consider to be a friend. Like sometimes it's like my mom's friend or something like that where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, I know who you are. You know who I am. But would we ever interact socially? Uh, that's kind of my rule of thumb. Like to me, Facebook is for the people I would interact with socially. And some family friends I do consider I interact with socially. Others I don't. And that's kind of where I draw the line. But I feel awkward about it because I really, that feeling of not accepting somebody's friend request is really awkward. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of cat slowly getting looser and looser. But I think <laughs> it's better to just not accept the friend request than outright reject it. In most cases. Yeah. I don't even... Do they have an option to have it rejected? Or are you just yeah. kind of... Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, I always just ignore it. I literally just leave it sitting in my feed. My my friend request area is just mm-hmm. a bunch of people who I just never said yes to. So the last thing I want to talk about is just how you deal with... The one thing you don't really have control over is once you've accepted someone as a friend, if they tag you in posts or write something to you that like that you don't necessarily want on your wall... What do you do about that? I mean, I already gave my advice for how to you can untag yourself from things by looking at the friendship, but that's just something in general that can be a little tricky. What do you mm-hmm. guys do? I mean, I have it set up uh, to accept whether or not things, you know, I approve things before they can be posted on my timeline. Okay, that's another thing um, you can do in it, settings. That's especially important if, you, if you're friends with your parents on Facebook or, <laughs> or I don't know, you know, like, there's some people who don't really realize that that's not an appropriate thing to tag me with on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't have that set up, but I'm very quick to untag myself. Yeah. I'm, I really, I feel like my Facebook wall, like you're saying, in a weird way, it represents me, even if one of my friends is posting and I had nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. So unless it's something that I'm comfortable having posted myself, I will generally just untag myself. And I feel like nobody cares about that anymore. It's not like mm-hmm. your friend who tags you is going to be insulted, hopefully. Yeah, I do the same thing. For a while, I had it set up that I would have to go in and approve everything that I was tagged in, but that was a little bit too much like maintenance upkeep. Like I didn't really want to go into my Facebook all the time and and go through that. So now I just do the same thing as David, where I untag myself if I don't if I don't want it showing up on my wall. One tip in terms of all these things, if you're sitting at home and you're wondering how do I know what people can see and can't see? I mean, obviously go into Facebook settings and really poke around. But one of the things I like in Facebook setting is there's some area where you can say view as, and you can actually view your profile based on how somebody else views your profile. Mm, So you can view it as a stranger or you can view it as if you have different levels of settings set up for different people, you can actually say, oh, how does how can my uncle view my Facebook profile? Yeah. So it's a nice way of actually looking at your page and saying, what will they see? Mm-hmm. I mean, and lastly, one thing I've sort of embraced a little bit is I am careful about what I post, but on the other hand, I realize I feel like in today's world, people are a little less uptight than you might think they are. Like, mm-hmm. it's sort of also like own who you are and what you, you know, for me, I actually will occasionally post something political or something that I think, and I just have to be okay with some people will disagree with me, but they can unfollow me if they want to. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I've kind of just this year kind of broached a little bit more of that. I used to be really just, my rule is nothing political on Facebook. And now it's, 
it's something that if it's controversial, I'm even okay with that, but it's more, am I okay being viewed as an advocate for this political idea or this cause or something like that? Right. And there are causes that are important to me that I am okay being an advocate for, and those mm -hmm. I will put even if people disagree with me. Right. I've definitely taken that approach too. I, I don't like to inflict my social or political views on people, but sometimes I feel like I need to at least state my support. Yeah, one way or there's the a other. time and place yeah. to be an advocate for a cause. I Just think. Don't be obnoxious. Yes. <laughs> one last point, and then I have another question for you guys. But one of the things I think is really important in Facebook, especially in these very partisan times, <laughs> is just to don't say anything to somebody on Facebook that you wouldn't say to them in person. Like when you, when you send something, and I can't tell you how many things I've written out, sat there, and then delete it. <laughs> and it's like just a really good rule of thumb of read it again and say, would I say this in person? Because it's one of the things that makes social media, in my opinion, can become unpleasant when people really get a little bit cruel and when you remove the normal layers of social contact, when you can see their hurt face, when you say something to them, you can see their body language. Right. It's It, it makes social media in an uncomfortable place. So I think it's a good rule of thumb is would I say this to them if they were sitting right here in front of me? Um, last question for you, because we talked about Facebook security more. Most of the risks here are your social implications, right? What right. would your coworkers think? What would your friends think, your parents? But what are the actual security risks at play? And are there any? Like, are there things that you need to watch out for in terms of identity theft and, you know, just the real, like, hard security risks? Well, one thing I realized recently is that my phone number was being posted mm -hmm. publicly on my Facebook wall and my personal email address. And so that's something that I quickly changed. Actually, I better go double check that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my, mine is too. I think it's, again, the, the, there are levels because if you're, some of these things can only be viewed by your friends. So there's a level of protection there. I think most of those type of things. Yeah. I mean, maybe. for me, that's the only thing I can really think of that would lead to major security risks mm -hmm. for me. I mean, I have recently ventured into the world of like Tinder dating. So I think <laughs> Which is gonna be a whole podcast. We're gonna interview Sarah about our Tinder dating. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> fascinating. But you know, one way you kind of get to know someone a little better is you Facebook stalk them, right? Mm -hmm. So but then, you know, you just have to be careful about like what people who are Facebook stalking you can actually see. And Yeah. 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 And that's a, around the area that I think is the biggest risk. In general, I feel like there's probably more fear around privacy concerns of that nature on Facebook than there need to be. I think for the most part, as long as you don't do something really stupid, you're fine. Mm -hmm. A few risks, though, are number one, if you are doing social online dating like Tinder, uh, being careful because then strangers are seeing pictures and things like that. So I, I also have dabbled in Tinder a little bit. And one time I had a picture of me holding iPhone Life Magazine. And then I realized like, wait, they can look up iPhone Life Magazine, then they can look me up, they can know my, from there, they can figure out my address and all sorts of things that I really don't want random Tinder people seeing. <laughs> um, so there's a little bit of that. Certainly I've heard horror stories of people seeing that somebody's out of town and breaking into their home. So be careful uh, posting photos location. from vacation. Location oh, is a I really big this. one. I do not let Facebook track my location. I don't either. Okay. Never. I don't know if I do or not. 
Because <laughs> I don't really need to like check into a cafe and let all my friends know that I've checked into a cafe. A lot of my friends do that, and it can be fun to see it's nice. what yeah, people do are do doing that. and what they're up to. But in general, I'd rather not have Facebook track my location. I mean, I feel like because I also don't want people to see. There's a feature on Facebook that lets you see people nearby. So one more thing to be concerned about is something called social engineering. So basically, what happens is that when you set up passwords, usually to get your change your password if you forgot it it'll ask you questions that are personal to your life and oftentimes those questions are things that somebody might be able to derive from facebook so hmm. what was your first pet's name you know where did you go to high school things like that are in facebook so it is something to look at your profile as somebody who is doesn't know you and see what they can see to make sure that they're not getting anything really personal from you and also just think with the uh, with the thought process of my security questions could they answer them and make sure that when you're sending up security questions it's not something that could be answered even also side note something that couldn't be answered by googling you where did you go to high school you can usually google that so that's just mm -hmm. another Th thing in terms of actual privacy that is important. And the second thing That's you should do to, to yeah. prevent that is anytime you have an option to set up like a two-step verification where you, for instance, you get like a verification code texted to your phone or emailed to you, that's a really good idea mm -hmm. because then even with yeah. social engineering, they won't necessarily be able to log in as you because once they log into one of your accounts as you, then they have access to even more stuff. Mm -hmm. And my advice to you would be not to stop posting pictures of your dogs and stuff about them, but instead to just not use your dog's name as a password. There you go. There you go. We all want to see your dog pictures. <laughs> and this concludes the 45th episode of the iPhone Life podcast. Here we talk to you about Facebook privacy, about the latest Mac event, and more. Uh, if you like what you hear, go and subscribe on iTunes to the iPhone Life podcast. And make sure to check out iPhone Life Insider at iphonelife.com insider. Or if you want to try out our tips, go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. Also, you can always email us. We love getting comments and feedback. So podcast at iphonelife.com. And you can subscribe to the magazine. Uh, the magazine's included in Insider. But if you want the print magazine, you can go to iphonelife.com slash subscribe for that. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Everybody.